0: Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On this episode, I'm joined by Alana Vandersloos. Alana is an English and journalism teacher at Kinnelon High in New Jersey, where she also advises the student newspaper. She's also a vice president for the Garden State Scholastic Press Association. The GSSPA promotes scholastic journalism and provides resources and support for advisors of high school publications. This is an area I want to touch on regularly here. I have plans to talk to other teachers and professors across the country. All right, so first, uh, just tell us a little bit uh, more about yourself, who you are, the work you do, and why journalism teaching.
1: Sure. Well, first, thanks, Mark, for having me on. I'm super excited to have a conversation about journalism. Uh, So uh, I've been a journalism teacher for five years now and a newspaper advisor for nine. Um, I've been to three different districts and I have a bachelor's degree in journalism from Iona College in New York. And then I have a master's in English education. And why journalism? I, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be a journalist. I loved to write. I loved to edit. I loved to just talk to people and, and just see how other people lived. And, and then I realized that it didn't quite align with the personality that I have. It's a job where you are very much on your toes. You don't have a set schedule. And it doesn't really frankly paid very well in the beginning and I'm someone that very much craves stability and structure so journalism itself being a journalist wasn't wasn't in the cards for me personally but I still enjoyed writing and editing and talking to people and I still think that journalism is just so important news literacy is so important and it's something you know I hear a lot about the death of journalism but I don't think it's dead at all and I, th- I think you know, journalism teachers are going to pave the way to make sure that it doesn't die and that it stays alive and that the readership of the fruit of a journalist's labor is read and analyzed correctly and that news literacy stays alive and that people really know what's going on in the world. So I, I have to give the students the tools for that. So that is why, that is why journalism.
0: Nice. And can you tell us about the path that took you to your current high school?
1: So I started out at a uh, Catholic high school in Yonkers, and it was a very small school. It was a school always about half a sneeze away from closing, Um, but they really gave me my first shot, and I didn't have any student teaching experience yet, so that was something that was very, very gracious of them to do, and I advised their newspaper for two years, and then I decided to make the jump to, uh, to public school. And then I was at a public school for three years in Bergen County, New Jersey, very wealthy high school. And I was their newspaper advisor for two years. And then I was the journalism teacher for their last year. Uh, I wrote the curriculum for them. So I got their journalism program started. And then at the time I was living in an apartment with my then boyfriend, but then we got married, we wanted a house and we had to look outside of the wealthy Bergen County. So I ended up you know, moving northwest, we had a longer commute. So I decided to make a move to another district just to make my commute a little bit
0: shorter. I should point out in 2018, Alana won the Golden Quill Award, the highest honor for a journalism educator in the state of New Jersey. And in 2020, you were a candidate for National High School Journalism Teacher of the Year. Uh, congratulations on that. Can you explain the role of the GSSPA and what sorts of things a state scholastic press association offers?
1: Sure. So the Garden State Scholastic Press Association is an organization. So every state in the country has a scholastic press organization, and GSSPA just happens to be New Jersey's. And they're all very similar in that the state organizations provide resources for teachers to, um, you know, create lesson plans or units. Um, and then we also typically have contests. We provide conventions, so we have a fall student press day where s- students and advisors and teachers are welcomed to uh, Rutgers University, and we offer six different session times and dozens and dozens of different sessions on you know, how to write a lead or how to use video journalism or things about yearbook, Okay, because um, yearbook is also included in journalism. Not a lot of people know that. They think they're separate. They're actually not. Um, and we also have a spring advisors conference that's just for advisors for people to talk shop and get ideas and share and it can be a very isolating job there's only typically one newspaper advisor and one yearbook advisor in a school and they're not even really doing the same thing at all and a lot of times whoever is the newspaper or the yearbook advisor isn't they don't have any background and it's very hard to get that That knowledge kind of on the side while you're still trying to teach whatever you're trying to teach in your content area. And again, it's very isolating and frustrating and hard work. So we try to provide a service where we support the teacher and we also support the students.
0: And you're actively involved in that, as, as we'll get into. I do want to say, too, that you're someone that doesn't shy away from problems that high school journalists face, uh, in particular, a couple of issues. Uh, what, can you tell us what you've uh, written and the kind of work that you've done on a topic that I think is important to a lot of high school students and certainly their advisors that comes into play, probably just about every school, prior review and administrative censorship?
1: yeah yeah so prior review and administrative censorship is is a huge problem um it doesn't have to be though and i have to be candid about that i will say that my first year where i am now they asked to see the work that we were producing and i I do understand that from an administrative level because there could be a lot of legal hot water if if you're producing something uh, and you're not well-versed in journalism law. But once once they realize that our, our staff takes things seriously and I'm well-versed in the law and that we weren't gonna print anything we weren't supposed to, they kind of let us do our own thing. Um, sometimes I let them see what we're going to publish just so that they can feel calmer about it, but they've never once pulled anything from us um, because they know we, we print what we're supposed to, we'll never put what we're not supposed to. And we don't shy away from, you know, the controversial issues that are going on. We've had an acceptance issue on, you know, uh, diversity issues, LGBTQ plus issues. We had an election issue, which could be very polarizing depending on the town that you're working for. Uh, And they were okay with that. But I know in some some states, some schools, the first amendment rights are stifled a little bit and to combat that states are starting to pass what's called the new voices bill which gives protection to advisors and to student journalists from any sort of repercussion for what we print and new jersey is very very close to finally passing their own new voices bill so gsspa is very involved in that uh, we have a student chapter that's also very involved in that so we're getting students involved politically which is also always a great thing
0: I would imagine that particularly now in the age of social media and the fact that at any moment, a student could have a huge story essentially come right to them or fall right into their lap. I see it on social media sometimes, too, where uh, students in other states, often at colleges, but sometimes at high schools, wind up covering these really big stories. Uh, Are you familiar with anyone that's, that's encountered that yet? Whether it be at your school or in another part of the state where something like almost unexpected, just and controversial, fell into their lap and it was like a high school student kind of has to report on it if it's right in front of them.
1: mean, the COVID situation for sure. Uh, We had, we've gotten an email from our superintendent saying, you know, we're closing. And then all of a sudden the students are scrambling to get quotes and like, oh my God, we're closing. What does everybody think about this? Oh my God. Um, You know, when, when Biden won for president, you know, we reported on that. That was something that everybody was excited that we finally got the news. Right. But typically we try not to publish too much national news in a way that a national publication could cover better than us. If we do, we try to keep it a very localized spin on those types of things.
0: Right. Local to the high school, certainly. Sure. Yep. So what are some of the issues that you deal with? And you mentioned, one, the idea of it being isolating uh, with having the yearbook uh, advisor and the advisor to the newspaper, and maybe there's one journalism teacher in a school. I saw a presentation you did regarding other places and problems that they have, no money, uh, no budget, and the fact that, as you said, you're the only teacher teaching it. What are some of the things that you've run into?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, again, um, you're you're given nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think the presentation you're referring to, I I usually present this at GSSPA, and I present it at the Columbia Scholastic Press Association. Uh, Convention as well in New York. I call it, you know what the cure for that is, because it's just kind of like a troubleshooting uh, presentation. You come across not having any content to teach the kids. You don't have a curriculum, so you're forced to write the curriculum. And what do you write it from, right? You can't write something out of thin air. You can use your state scholastic press association. They have lesson plans and unit plans for you. There's the JEA, which is the Journalism Education Association. You can get textbook examination copies of, you know, of textbooks. And you can educate yourself that way enough to be able to write the lesson plans that you need. So um, lack of resources, lack of money. I started out at Kinelon, we had no money in the budget. And now, our, our Board of Ed has been gracious enough to approve a couple of thousand dollars every year, and we do fundraisers, and we write for grants, and, you know, it all matters. You, you do need money for this type of program. You need printing money. You need money to compete in the state and the national contests. You know, you need money for things like pizza parties and ways to get the students to, you know. Be a community. Uh, So money, resources, uh, again, the lack of knowledge that you have coming into it. So you need community, you need community. And, you know, you might not think about things like getting examination copies of textbooks, but that's absolutely something that you could do. So again, just trying to give people the, the resources to make them feel not so alone and a little more well versed in what they're trying to do. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing that they're trying to do. So we can, all we can do is help them.
0: What are you what are you teaching them this week?
1: This week journalism one is they are learning how to pitch stories. So we did elevator pitches yesterday, 30 second verbal pitches, what's your angle? you know, what would it look like in a package, like what multimedia would you include, what news values does it cover, whether it be proximity or prominence or oddity or whatever. Uh, So that's journalism one. Journalism two is working on photo essays. So they're taking essays with cohesive theme and they learned about cut lines and captions. So they're going to be doing that. And journalism three is interesting in that they are a self-paced class. So all they do is production. So they work on four-week production cycles where they have to upload Uh, write and upload one article to the website, and also create a print issue.
0: Some schools say that they don't have room for a journalism program. You've written about this too, um, and I I wanted to excerpt from that, but I'll answer first. Why is having a journalism program so important in a high school?
1: First and foremost, journalism creates news literacy. And I think that's just, that is so important for the generation coming up, especially with the political climate we're in now, where there's fake news everywhere and um, so many different news syndicates and, and, and all these biases. And it's, and, and then, and then there's, there's so much you have to wade through, especially with social media, you know, Facebook, I see, I see these wild outlandish headlines. And then I look at the website they got it from and I say, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right. Um, (laughs) News literacy, first and foremost, the students need, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not under the guise that my students are going to become journalists. Maybe one or two of them will, but it's not about that. Again, it's about the news literacy, and it's also about the life skills, right? How do you talk to somebody and look them in the eye? How do you prepare to talk to somebody? How do you distill information? How do you come up with unique angles? How do you look at the world and listen in on the world and, Think about the why and the how and the whose story is missing. And it, it, all, it all matters. Um, those interpersonal skills that, you know, maybe an AP class won't teach you. Right? I mean, everybody yep. wants that five on the AP exam and that A plus. But I think we're losing sight of what the skills that make you human. And I think journalism helps to, helps to bridge that gap a little bit.
0: As someone who, self-deprecating here, got a one on the AP Computer Science uh, AP exam, I definitely would have liked a second level of uh, journalism classes rather than taking that. One thing that you said...
1: I I feel you there. I took a a computer science course in college, and it was the one course I got a B in. I just, I couldn't (laughs) do it. It was just so
0: hard. One thing that you wrote was, Scholastic Journalism is probably the only class that provides built-in experience with real-life communication situations which I think articulates what you were just talking about. I'm curious, what are the news sources that the students are reading?
1: So what I tell them to do is I have this graphic that I show them, and it shows dozens of different news outlets, and it goes from far left to the middle to the far right, just so they can see where all the organizations lie, and they can really reflect on what they typically read and where it falls on that spectrum. So they can see whether or not maybe they need to be focusing more in neutral, you know, BBC. I also tell them to follow news organizations on Twitter, follow some neutral, follow some right, follow some left, and it helps to really aggregate your news. And you can kind of Get a, a, a more of a canvassing of what's really going on. There's also sites, I forget the names of them, I want to say allsides.com where you can click on a topic and it'll give you the headline of a far right news organization covering it, uh, a middle ground organization and <laughs> a far left, and you can see the differences in word choice and the different ways that they're covering it, and you can really read all of those things and get a more whole view of that particular topic and situation. So I try to make sure that they're looking at everything.
0: You mentioned in terms of students that um, you're only expecting a couple to be journalists. How many do you typically have in a class?
1: So right now we have, I believe, 24 students in journalism one, seven in journalism two, and eight in journalism three. And then we have about 35 in the newspaper club I and mean, when you add that all up and take a look at it it's about 10% of the student population that is involved in either the classes or the club which is just makes my heart sing it just makes me so happy and my high school has been so supportive in getting this this program running because it didn't have a program at all when I came and they've been so accepting uh, and helpful in terms of really getting it off the ground
0: what's the most fun thing that you do in a class
1: Oh my goodness! Most fun thing. The kids, the kids really like when I have them watch a movie. I usually do one movie per unit, and it's always related to the unit in some way. And I have them do a Socratic seminar afterwards, so they get to kind of discuss and ask and answer questions and disagree with each other and debate about some sort of ethical consideration with the, the movie, so what they recently did was we're in a photography unit for Journalism 2 and they watched the Bang Bang Club, which is about war photographers. And I, I asked them to discuss amongst themselves the ethical considerations of being a war photographer, the things that you see. If you see someone being beaten to death in the streets, do you take the photo or do you help that person? You know, what, what is yep. the, what is the ethics of that? And so they really love getting into debates with one another. So I think that's like the most fun thing that we do.
0: As someone who likes to watch journalism movies, what other movies are on your, your list?
1: Spotlight
0: for yep. sure. That was what I was, that was the first thing I was thinking of.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Spotlight for our invest, investigative um, journalism unit. We watch The Devil Wears Prada for our arts and entertainment unit. We watch Cobb for our sports unit. We watch um, The Bang Bang Club for photography. Uh, We watch The Soloist with Jamie Foxx and Robert Downey Jr. for our features unit. So I try to, I try to, oh, we watch a documentary on the Parkland shooting. Not necessarily the shooting itself, but the the, the newspapers, the high school newspapers coverage of it, which is always really hard to watch. But again, Um, very, very important for them to see actual student journalists in a really tough situation covering something that's highly sensitive.
0: Spotlight uh, certainly uh, falls under that very, very much. And it's a a terrific movie. I'm I'm guessing most of the listeners of this podcast have seen it. Uh, I saw your students did an election guide. You mentioned it before. Uh, How much work went into uh, doing that and what came out of it?
1: So I very much take the role of advisor, literally, and I I really do sit back and I just guide them and they kind of just do their own thing. And they came to me about three weeks before the election and said, you know what, I think we wanna do a mini issue on the election. I said, go for it. And they they have pitch meetings uh, with the whole staff every week and then they have editorial meetings once a week as well. And you know, they pitched their ideas, they got everything together, they edited it all down, we had our designer put everything together and they got it out in three weeks and it ended up being i believe a, a 30 page issue or 20 page issue or something i it was like it mini issue. Great. <laughs> it a mini issue yep. but they you know they i think they realized halfway through that they had a lot of things that they wanted to discuss and a lot of ideas and that they had to cover a lot of different angles when it came to this particular election so it ended up being bigger than they thought it was going to be but I was very glad that they did it, and I think they're very proud of it, too.
0: I want to take one story that didn't go in that edition of the paper, the Cold Chronicle, but was an election topic. It was called The Eyes That Are Miles Away by Abiha Zaidi. Can you tell us about that?
1: Sure. Um, so Abiha is, she's Pakistani, and, you know, she and I were having a discussion the other day. We, we had an optional meeting that no one showed up to, so it was just her and I talking. And she was saying how... A lot of people think Pakistani and they think they have the single story. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a Ted talk called the danger of a single story. And it talks about how a lot of people only have one version or one stereotype of another culture in their head. And they don't educate themselves on what these people are really about. And she, she wanted people to see that the U.S. Election doesn't just affect the United States citizens, it affects everybody globally and everybody is watching us. And I mean, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but it's almost a metaphor for how we as people need to conduct ourselves as well. People are watching what we do. You know, our children are watching what we do, how we conduct ourselves. Our students are watching us as teachers, what we do, how we conduct ourselves. What we do doesn't just affect us it Affects the people around us. Same with the election; it affects everybody worldwide.
0: When your students see the president saying some of the things that he says about news, how uh-huh. do they react, and how does that turn into a discussion?
1: It's funny that you say that because I tell people people know I teach journalism, and I tell them that I don't really teach current events, and they're like they're horrified by that. They're like, "What do you mean you don't teach current events?" I'm a non-tenured teacher and I work in a a district and a a community that is very much on one side. And for me to engage in political discussion is very dangerous and something that I don't do. How the students reacted to this election, um, I think it was split. I think it was split, but I know that my staff was very careful to make sure that everyone's voice was included and that there was no bias and that we weren't only hearing from one side. And I, I remember my editor and she had a little bit of a freak out right before we published. She's like, is everything okay? Like, does it seem like we're covering both sides? Should we get, we, should we take this out? Should we put this in? So they were very conscious of making sure that everybody's voice was heard regardless of their own personal bias.
0: And uh, with regards to your editor-in-chief, and if any of your students do wind up listening, I apologize for only shouting out a couple of them, Uh, but I I did want to reference uh, Camille Ballo did a piece called COVID-19 Explained Through 60s Through 80s Songs. Uh, That one caught my eye. I thought thought that that was a very clever approach to it. Uh, How did that one come about?
1: You know, again, I... I don't know where they get their ideas from. You know, they come up with them on their own, and I just give them the green light if they're good ideas. But, you know, I have to shout out Camille. She is the best editor in chief I could possibly ask for. I tell her she's the daughter I never had. (laughs) She's a leader in in every sense of the word. Um, And she's, I would call a quiet leader in that she doesn't, she's not boastful. She's not she's not a loud personality, but she, she, she quietly and confidently leads the staff and I almost don't have to do anything. It's like, I almost feel bad. I just sit back and, and bask in, in her leadership and her intelligence. And that well, gets to
0: a point about the sophistication level of the kids now compared to when you were in high school and when I was in high school, uh, what, what I'm curious, what is it compared to when you were in high school?
1: It depends on the type of savvy you're you're talking about. Technologically savvy, yes. I think some of them are more social media savvy and not necessarily technically savvy, which is something, you know, a, a differentiation that needs to be made. They know more though. You know, they have more information. They're not as innocent, I guess you could say, as we were. I think the education has become more authentic. So I think they engage in a lot more discussion have a lot more of their own ideas i think the guidance is just better overall nowadays because i remember writing an article and it wasn't now that i'm thinking it wasn't even an article it was like an essay on the different ratings for movies like how did we get like g pg-13 r and it's like that's (laughs) not even a that's not even an article, what was that? Yep. Um, my students would never think to write something so juvenile as <laughs> what I did for my first article. Um, no, they, I mean, they come up with some fantastic ideas and unique ideas like, like Camille's, like Abihaz.
0: What defines uh, success for you?
1: For me personally and for my students.
0: For, for you, for teaching journalism.
1: Again, I just, I want them to leave with the life skills that they need for whatever field that they end up going into. Um, And I want them to be news literate. I want them to question the things around them, the information that they hear. I want them to be politically active. I want them to be good citizens and be good people and, and, you know, be able to write well. Sure, I'll throw that in there (laughs) because I'm an English teacher. I (laughs) want them to be able to write well. But if they leave with the life skills that they truly, truly need, that's all I can ask for.
0: We talked about AP credit before. One of the cool things with your program is that you have an affiliation with a college that allows students to get college course credit.
1: One of the ways that, that Kinelon has been so supportive of the program is they helped to facilitate talks between myself and William Patterson University in New Jersey uh, to get college credit for all three of the journalism classes that are currently running so as of right now, uh, journalism one and journalism two. If students take both of those classes, they get three college credits. And then if they take the journalism three course, they get an additional three college credits. So at the end of the day, if they take the entire journalism program at Kalam, they get six college credits from William Patterson, which don't even have to—they don't even have to go to William Patterson. They're really transferable almost anywhere. So it's—it's it's a nice way to kind of leave the students with. Um, something that they can use past graduation as well.
0: Is there anything uh, with the GSSPA that you want to plug?
1: Uh, So we are gsspa.org. We invite any and all journalism teachers or newspaper advisors to join. We are a wonderful bunch. Um, We are a very helpful and supportive bunch. We're always looking for new members. It's a fantastic organization and we're always constantly looking for ways to make ourselves better and reach out to more people that need the support that we can provide. So, um, gsspa.org for anybody who uh, wants to take a look.
0: Definitely. Uh, All right. So, the last two questions are paid forward portion. Uh, What advice do you have? I realize this could be a book or a, a large pamphlet or a long presentation. What advice do you have for someone who wants to teach journalism, who's just thinking about it now?
1: Oh, my goodness. Join, your, join the JEA or join your, your state organization and they will provide you with tools that you need um, and just know that you are not alone. It can be overwhelming, but the job that you were doing is so, so important. So just keep doing it. Keep doing the best that you can. And we appreciate you being part of the battle.
0: And is there a journalism organization that you would like to salute?
1: Absolutely. Um, They are called, it's the Journalism Education Association, JEA.org. They are the national organization and they have um, certifications that you can get and they have study materials to get you that certification. So that's another way that you can kind of study and research about what it takes to be a a good journalism teacher. So I have. I'm a master journalism educator. So I got that certification from them. And then there's the level below, which is the certified journalism educator, the CJE. So i definitely shout out to them. Their conventions are amazing and they do so much for us.
0: And uh, their website is very comprehensive as I have uh, discovered. Alana, uh, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me, Mark. Welcome to Journalism History, a podcast that rips out the pages of your history books to re-examine the stories you thought you knew and the ones you were never told.
1: I'm Terry Finneman, and I research media coverage of women in politics.
0: And I'm Nick Hershon, and I research the history of New York sports. And I'm Ken Ward, and I research the journalism history of the Great Plains and Rocky Mountains. Find the Journalism History Podcast at journalism-history.org podcast, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I was highly impressed with the stories I read in the Colt Chronicle. They were comprehensive, well-thought-out, and well-written. Clearly, Alana Vandersluis is having a great impact on the students at Kinnelon High School in New Jersey. A salute to her and all the teachers working during this pandemic. Thank you for your efforts. I've got another teacher interview booked for January, this one from Alabama, and I'll be curious to hear her perspective on what it's like to teach there. The journalism salute is dedicated to the memory of Dr. Robert Cole, Dr. Cole ran the journalism program at my alma mater, Trenton State College, the College of New Jersey, for more than 30 years and influenced hundreds of students throughout the Garden State. I even remember him getting upset when issues came up where it wasn't even the administration, but the student government resorted to chicanery to prevent students from reading the school paper. He was not happy about their behavior. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. If you're interested in following along with us, follow us on Twitter at Journalism Salute, S-A-L-U-T. There are more episodes to come. Thank you for tuning in.